All right, well, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, thankful for the Ed speaking last, last Wednesday night for me and uh, talking about serving the Lord in the midst of suffering. And I think it follows or fits well with what uh, the Lord's laid on my heart that I'd like to share with you tonight from Psalm 27. Just kind of taking some time and studying through some of the Psalms again, such encouraging words uh, in song, many of them, of course, written by David, and really focusing on who God is and how He helps us as we deal with different things along the road of life. And uh, we can take great confidence in our, in our God. And uh, as we are faithful to Him, we get to experience the blessing of walking in close fellowship with him. I'm sorry my voice is a little bit funny tonight. I'm feeling the cold or whatever coming on that I think everybody else has had. So I'll try not to uh, get too close for you. So I moved even a little further back tonight. Hopefully it'll be all right and we'll make it through and, and I'll try to be rested up and ready for Sunday. Let's look at Psalm 27 and I want to begin by reading verses 1 through 3. We're going to look at this psalm tonight in three different sections. And the first section beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. In the first three verses, David, as he's writing this psalm, expresses great confidence in the Lord. He gives us several reasons of why we can be confident in our God. Notice in verse 1, he said, the Lord is my light. Light in the scripture, of course, associated with something good, with being able to see. In uh, another psalm later on, he talks about how God's Word is a light unto our path. And he says here that God is our light. We can be confident in our Lord because He gives us light. He gives us the ability to see and find direction. He also says here that the Lord is His salvation. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. We can take great confidence in our God because He is our salvation. And we know that in understanding what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. But I'm so thankful that God gives us salvation over our sin and over the difficulties that we face each and every day. And then he asks this question, whom shall I fear? It's as if he says, if the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation, then who should I be afraid of? Whom shall I fear? It's a rhetorical question here. The answer is nobody. I shouldn't be afraid of anyone or anything if the Lord is my light and my salvation. But he continues on. He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. And then he asks the question again, of whom shall I be afraid? We can be confident in our God because he's our light, because he is our salvation, and also because he is our strength. 
That phrase, he's the strength of my life, really refers to a stronghold in the mountains, a a hiding place that one could run to as a place of refuge. And of course, we see that theme repeated over and over in the Psalms as David speaks of God as being his refuge or the place like a, he puts him in the cleft of the rock. He puts him in a safe place. The Lord is our refuge. And then in verses 2 and 3, we see this confidence played out a bit in reality as he's talking about how God protects him from his enemies. Notice verse 2, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. We uh, also know the story over in the New Testament when they came to speak against Jesus and And the Bible says when Jesus spoke out and he told them that he was God, that they fell back at his words. Often if we were in a fight with somebody, in order to get them to back off, we might have to put our hands on them. We might have to physically push them back. And here it's a wonderful um, testament to how strong our God is and how great a protector he is, that even at his word, people fall back. They are unable to stand against him. Verse 3, though an host should encamp against me, even if it's a large army, he says, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. So David here expresses this great confidence in God. And I kind of think of this in the beginning of this psalm, kind of as he's talking about who God is and what God has done and how he can be confident in God's strength and confident in God's salvation and confident in God's light. And perhaps that's how we feel at times when we're at church on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday and we think, wow, we serve a great God. There's a lot to be excited about it. And we can take great confidence in that. Even if a great enemy comes against us, we can take confidence in our God. But I think as this psalm continues on, He goes a little bit deeper because he really gets at the, I think, what it is to actually be confident in God. It's one thing to say you should be confident in God because God is strong, because God's your salvation and God's your light. I would say it's another thing entirely to actually be confident in God. And that's what we see in the next few verses, that confidence in God comes from a close relationship with God. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read my Bible and I see all the things I should do and I I should believe and it should be this way, when it comes to the reality of it, it kind of seems like pie in the sky sometimes, doesn't it? That, well, I know that's the ideal, but how would I ever get there? How would I ever get to the place that I'm not afraid if an army actually came and encamped against me? I mean, this is what David's saying. That's a pretty bold statement, right? That's a very confident statement to say, I'm not going to be afraid even if an army comes against me. I mean, come on, David, is that really reality? How do you live like that? I think he gets at that in verses 4 through 6. He has this very specific thing that he's focused on, and he's focused on this close relationship with God. Notice verse 4. One thing, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. He's very focused here. He says, there's this one thing, and this is what I'm going to seek after. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life. His desire, his focus, what he's seeking after, he says, is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Now, is David just saying, I want to only be in the temple? Because it kind of refers to that at the end of the verse, to inquire in his temple. As we, I think, see from this verse, and we'll see in the next couple of verses, David, yes, he's referring to it as being in God's house, being in the temple, but he's really referencing a close personal relationship with God. He wanted to be right where God was. That's why he says, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. To have a close relationship with someone, and especially a close relationship with God, begins by just beholding His beauty, understanding who He is. The Bible talks about the beauty of His holiness. And it's a wonderful thing to ponder and to think on this great God that we serve. So often as we deal with the various things going on in life, uh, we can tend to forget who God is and what God is able to do. And David's saying, this is my one desire. This is the one thing that I want. This is the one thing that I'm going to seek after to enjoy the beauty of God, to enjoy God for who He is. It sounds a lot like the marriage vows that a couple make to one another when they get married. That He's going to love, honor, and cherish, forsake all others, keep myself only to you, from this day forward, as long as we both shall live, those kinds of promises, right? So those sound like really lofty ideals. And yet, for a couple getting married, we would expect no less that they would commit themselves one to the other for life exclusively, nobody else. And this is what David here is saying. I want to commit myself to God and to God alone to enjoy Him and His beauty, who He is, His character, His nature. That's part of having a close relationship with God. It's hard to have a close relationship with God that we don't know. It's hard to have a close relationship with a God that we can't enjoy. And the more we know about God, I would say the more that there is to enjoy about Him. When we live our life just based on our experiences and our own ability to decipher those, our own perspective, we often end up with a very skewed perspective on who God actually is. How do you get to know somebody? It's by spending time with them. Now, you can hear a lot about them from other people, but if you really want to know a person, you have to spend time with that person. How do you get to know God? It's by spending time with Him. Not just listening to what everybody else says about God, but as David says, this is the one thing I want to seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And then he follows up. He says, Behold the beauty of the Lord and, end of verse 4, to inquire in his temple. Not only did David want this close relationship that came by enjoying the beauty of God, but also I believe a close relationship comes by close communication with God. And you can learn a lot about somebody by observing them, but to further that relationship with them, you must communicate with them. David says he wants to inquire in his temple to be able to call out to god in prayer and say god what is it you want me to do 
God, what would you have me to do in this situation? God, how am I supposed to live? God, here's what I'm struggling with. God, I need your help. I've taken time to learn who you are. God, here's who I am. Here's what I need. I think we see here in this verse as David is desiring this close relationship with God. And of course, if you know much about David, you know that God referred to him as a man after his own heart. God had a close relationship with David, and David had a close relationship with God. But a close relationship comes as we enjoy God's beauty, as we enjoy who He is, as we get to know Him, and as we communicate with Him. Some benefits of this close relationship, David refers once again to God's protection. Notice in verse 5, he says, For in the time of trouble, He, talking about God, He shall hide me in His pavilion, in the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. David speaks of God's great protection that He enjoys in His close relationship with Him. How do people feel safe in a relationship? Thinking of a human relationship? You feel safety in your human relationships when there's great proximity to the person that you have that relationship with and really good communication between you and that person. So if what David is talking about in verses 1 through 3, having great confidence in God because He's our light, because He's our salvation, because He's our strength, I would say the way to experience that kind of confidence in God only comes as we pursue after a close relationship with God. You say, well, this is really simple, right? I mean, if I wanted to get to know God, i got to spend time with Him. I need to pray. And yet, I think this is the kind of challenge we need in our life, isn't it? Because things come. Distractions are many. There are always things coming up. Does a day ever go like it's planned? I know my, di- my day today did not. I had big plans to get lots of things done today, and uh, this afternoon I got on my computer to get some things working and going, and Microsoft had completely shut me out of all my office programs. See, I have Microsoft Office. I type up my notes and those things, and I prepare things in there, and I have emails and Outlook and all of this. Well, a few months ago, somebody was trying to set up some new things for me on my computer, and so they signed me up for one of these free trials for an upgraded version of Microsoft Office. Well, today was my lucky day, and the free trial ran out today. And so, of course, Microsoft, because you're upgrading, it locks you in with the new upgrade, but then it can't, I was canceled because I didn't pay for the updates. And so all I wanted to do was go back to the way things were, and I couldn't. I spent two hours on the phone today with technical support. When I was growing up, we used to, instead of the help desk, we called them the no-help desk. You know, I was on the phone for two hours a day. Now, fortunately, they finally figured it out. But eventually, as I figured out where the person was going on the phone, I said, is this what needs to happen in this, 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 and this? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, I think I can probably do that a little bit quicker than you can. And, and they said, okay. And so I, you know, because I'm used to my computer, and I'm clicking around because they were remoted in on my computer. So not only was I on the phone with them for two hours, I couldn't use my computer for two hours. I'm just sitting there watching as they slowly move the mouse around and open windows and close windows and minimize things. And I thought, oh, no. And then they cleaned out. I mean, it was a mess. 
I could tell you more about it, but you don't want to hear about it because maybe your day was the same as mine, just in a different way. Or maybe it was one of you that kept me from on hold so long because you were, I don't know what it was. The point is, life can throw all kinds of things at us. And it's one thing to have our devotions and read these things. It's, an, it's, it's one thing to hear about it in church and think, this is what I ought to do. And I think it's a very different thing entirely to actually live it out, a life of confidence in the Lord. I believe this kind of confidence in our God only comes as we have a close relationship with Him, as we enjoy His beauty, as we communicate with Him, as we enjoy His protection. And notice at the end of verse 6, this close relationship, close communion with God will result in praise. He says, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. When I got off the phone today with tech support, I didn't feel like singing praises to the Lord. I was ready to throw something. I was biting my tongue, so I didn't say something rude to the person on the phone. At the end, one of the guys said, well, I'd like to do a survey. You know, how, how did you feel about your experience? I said, as nicely as I could. I said, it was very long. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. What could we do to make it better? Shorten it. I don't know how, but just make it, make it shorter, right? You kind of get irrational at that moment. It's just, fix my problem. I don't know what it is. And I know it's not their fault. They're just doing the best they can. I get it. I've been, a, I've been that person on that end of the phone. And so I try to be nice with them. But the point is, as we go through life, as difficulties come our way, even if it's something as trivial as just trying to get our computer working, or if it's something actual, life-threatening, or difficult, or hard, how in the world are we going to find our confidence in the Lord? It only comes as we pursue after a close relationship with God, with all of our heart. I love it the way David says it. One thing have I desired after the Lord, that will I seek after. Could we say that about our lives? There's just one thing above all else, and that's to have a close relationship with God. But David's life, as we know, wasn't all easy as well. He had difficulties along the way. And in verses 7 through 14, I think we see David's confidence in God as it's demonstrated along the road of life. Look at verse 7. He's calling out to the Lord. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my mother and my father forsake, or I'm sorry, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted. Unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, 
and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In verses 7 through 12, it seems as though David has a, a dramatic shift in, his, in what he's talking about. He goes from talking about being confident in the Lord and seeking after God with all of his heart and praising God because of God's protection to now he's saying, hear me, Lord, listen. And I think that's sometimes the reality of our life, isn't it? We have moments where it's exciting and we feel great and we're confident in our relationship with God and everything looks good. And then the next moment, something difficult comes and we're crying out, God, help me. What do I do now? And this is David. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. So how do we demonstrate our confidence in God along the road of life? How do we get there? Well, we know it's through a close relationship with God. But what about when we're suffering? What about when life is tough? I think he gives us some principles here that we can take from his response that we should model our lives as well. We see here in verse 7, he's praying consistently to God. He's crying out to God. God, hear me. God, hear me. God, answer me. Have mercy upon me. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Pray without ceasing, right? That we should take everything to the Lord in prayer. Not only does he pray consistently to God, verse 8, he preaches the truth back to himself. Notice, he, he quotes God. He says, when thou saidst, God, when you said, seek ye my face... Then my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. It's like David's taking what God has said, and he says, Lord, you said seek you? All right, I'm going to seek you. Somebody said that's the best kind of preaching. Preaching that is saying what God has already said. God has said it once. As we, heard it, as we hear it preached, it's hearing it said again. And David here, it's like he's preaching to himself. He's reminding himself of God's truth. He's challenging himself to seek the Lord. Wait a minute. Didn't he just say, back in verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. And here in verse 8, he says, When God says, Seek my face, then I'll say unto the Lord, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. It's like, now life has gotten difficult. He claims, this is my desire to seek after God with all that I have, but now it's difficult. Lord, help me. Hear my cry. Lord, you told me to seek after you. I'm going to seek after you with everything that I have. Preach truth to yourself. When you're struggling along the way, spend time in prayer and then remind yourself and speak God's truth over and over to yourself. It's a very helpful thing. To open up God's word, remind yourself of God's promises. But we can also put our trust in God even when others fail us. He says that in verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. God, take care of me. I know that you will, even if those that are closest to me forsake me. He says, my God will take care of me. He calls upon the Lord. He says, Lord, teach me your way. Lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. He's calling out to God for deliverance. God, don't 
Give me over. Don't deliver me to the will of mine enemies. So David's talking about all kinds of difficult things here. He says, God, don't forsake me even if my father and mother do. God, teach me your way and lead me because I have a lot of enemies. He says, don't deliver me to the will of mine enemies because there are false witnesses that are speaking against me. And then verse 13, it's like he's come full circle now. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David's saying, if I didn't have God, I would be completely lost. I would have fainted. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Confidence in God must be demonstrated on the road of life. It's demonstrated as we pray to God. It's demonstrated as we continue to speak God's truth back to ourselves as we are in His Word. As we look to trust God, even if others fail us, as we wait on the Lord to deliver us, right? Because if God really can do it, then have confidence to wait, even in the difficult situation that you're in, to let God do the work that only He can do. And then finally, be confident in God's ability to strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. And as if that wasn't enough, he repeats it for us. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There's a great challenge here, an encouragement for us. No matter what difficulties and struggles, whether it's a small, trivial, frustrating kind of thing, all the way to really big, difficult problems that we, we have no power over, or enemies that are out to attack us, or difficult things that we face, we can be confident in God because of who He is. Because He is our light. He is our salvation. He is our strength. He will protect us from our enemies. The only way to grow in that confidence in God is to really pursue after a close relationship with Him. And I would challenge you, take time to grow in your relationship with God. Isn't it funny that sometimes even the times of year where we ought to if you will, focus on God more than at others as we think about Thanksgiving or as we think about celebrating the birth of Christ and all those things that swirl around. And yet, it's almost as if people have very little time for God. It's easy to get up and run out the door and think, oh, I had so much to do today. I didn't even have time to spend, spend with God in prayer, time to spend with God in His Word. Make time to pursue after God. David said this is the one thing that I desired of the Lord. Spend time with Him. Grow in your relationship with Him. And as you go through those difficulties of life, remember to pray. Remember to preach truth to yourself. Remember to put your trust in God. These are just daily, small, step-by-step -step kind of habits that we need to form in our life if we're going to grow in that relationship with God. And over time, this will develop into a great confidence in our Lord that no matter what problem comes, what enemy, what army, no matter what, we can wait on the Lord. Father, help us to wait on you, to find our confidence and strength in you. 
I pray that you'd encourage those who are feeling weak. And Lord, prepare those who things are going well for right now because we know that there are always things coming that can be hard. Help us, Lord, to walk with you and grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.